0: Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is the place for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. This is episode 11 entitled Mid-Service Upgrades. All right, mid-service upgrades. This is a term that we've come to use in my office when referring to a situation when a client is in the middle of receiving service from us, but something happens that triggers the need for a new additional service or the upgrade of the service that they're already in the middle of. This might be some new piece of information that comes to light or some change of mind that the client has had, or some combination of factors that means the current service is no longer adequate. What we're going to explore in this episode is how to correctly deal with that situation, and how to avoid some of the common mistakes that can occur. Let's take an example. You've been out to see a single lady that got divorced a few years ago, and in the divorce settlement she ended up with the house. She has two children, aged 10 and 12, and one of the main reasons for wanting to write her will is that she wants to appoint guardians for the children. You take instructions for the will, and you email out the first draft. She has a couple of minor amendments that she wants to make, so you get those done, and you send out a second draft. She then comes back and says that the will is now fine, but can you just include a line to say that her partner, Fred Smith, live in the house. All right, so let's just pause there for a moment. Unless you're in the habit of taking your drafts round to your client's home in person or having them come to your office to look through the drafts, then this communication is likely to come in either via email or possibly by phone. Now, you and I know, of course, that this request needs a right to reside trust to be included in the will. We can't just put a line in that says let fred live in the house now for most companies that i'm familiar with there is a pretty big difference in price between a basic will and a will that contains any kind of a trust so let's just take some simple figures so that we can explore the handling of this situation and let's suppose that you charge 200 pounds for a basic will and 500 pounds for a will with a trust in so just take a moment now to consider exactly what the client has said what she said was can you just include a line to say Fred Smith can live in the house now put yourself in the client's shoes for a moment and take a look at that communication she clearly has in mind that this is a pretty simple well line to be included in the will she's also used the word just can you just include The relevant definition of the word just here in this context means simply or without anything added. As in, I just want a sandwich for lunch or we should just go to the show without anything added. She thinks therefore that this is a very simple, quick sentence to be slotted in somewhere. So how do you handle this? Well, let's start by looking at how not to handle it. Suppose that the client has phoned you with this request. So the wrong thing to do would be to say in response, "Uh, well, no, I can't do that. However, I can include a right to reside trust in the will, which will cater for that situation. A will with a trust in it costs £500. All elements of this response are factually correct, but it's a poor response. There's several things wrong with that handling. The first is that you've started with a negative. You've said, no, I can't do that. It's true, of course, you can't just include a line in the will that says, let Fred live here. But you don't want to open the communication with a negative. Far better to say, yes, I'm sure we can do something to accommodate that, or something similar. It's the solution-oriented rather than problem-oriented response that clients need to hear. Second problem. Think back to episode one of this podcast entitled The Most Common Mistake. And that mistake was to answer questions and give advice too early in the process. Well, that point is definitely being violated here, isn't it? You know that you're going to need to get far more detail from the client about their requirements for that trust before you could draft it. And you don't yet know exactly what those requirements will be. So don't go leaping into giving advice or answering questions at this early stage. A third mistake is that you've tried to deal with this quickly and over the phone. Now, there are some definite advantages, of course, to dealing with it on the phone. It saves time, it saves petrol, etc. But it's not going to give the client the best chance of understanding the solution and giving thorough instructions for what is here a mid-service upgrade. However, if your business focus is more transactional rather than being focused on building the relationship, then you may well want to do the mid-service upgrade by phone. It is efficient, and I'm not gonna say it's impossible or that it's even the wrong thing to do to try and handle it by phone. But if you're going to try and save time and money this way, you would want to make sure that the clients treat this with the importance that it deserves and ensure that they have at least enough time set aside to properly explore their options. Personally, I'd always want to go out to see the clients for something like this, By not dealing with this instruction in person, you can't see how the client is reacting to your suggested solution. You can't see the indicators on their face. Unless the mid-service upgrade is very minor in nature and doesn't require much explanation and doesn't cost much money, then I would always suggest at the bare minimum, making sure that the client puts time aside to discuss it properly and preferably actually make another in-person visit. A fourth mistake is that the explanation is far too brief, considering you're going to more than double the price of the service. This point, and I suppose the previous point, are really down to a business decision for you to make as to the policy that you're going to apply for mid-service upgrades. But just think about it for a moment. If the basic will is £200 and the upgraded will is £500, then a visit is justified by the price alone. When I say that this is a business decision, I mean that in the commercial sense, but also in terms of what your aim is in business. What is your purpose with this client? Again, we've got this question, are you focused on the relationship or the transaction? This really is your decision to make for your business. There's nothing particularly wrong with being focused on the transaction. If you want that service to be high quality, but also efficient to maximize your profits, that's totally fine. If you're more inclined towards the building of an ongoing relationship with the client and their family, then spending the time with the client has a great deal of added value. And the final mistake here is presenting the price of the whole will rather than the price of upgrading the will. The client's already signed up for the basic will at £200. Upgrading will cost them £300. The client needs to make sense of the price to upgrade in isolation think about this when you're purchasing something and you're presented with the price for the product or service you're naturally going to weigh up if you're willing to exchange that amount of money for the product or service this fifth and final point here is actually way more important than it might at first seem and there's a great deal to understand about this so at some point we're going to definitely pick up on this topic of pricing and presentation in a future episode So what's the crux of the problem here? Mistakes such as these can lead to the client not going ahead with the right solution to accommodate their wishes. Or worse, they can actually end up with the client falling out with you if they think that you are overcomplicating matters. I recall one couple where I'd taken instructions for their wills, but the meeting had lasted a long time. So I only briefly touched on the concept of LPAs and said that we would deal with that at a follow-up meeting. I did the first draft of the wills and a few days later, I called them to check if the drafts were okay. Drafts were okay, so I said that I'd produce the finals and book the appointment to do the witnessing. They then said that they wanted to talk to me about LPAs. So again, let's just freeze frame at this moment in time here. This is definitely a mid-service upgrade territory. The temptation here would be to say something like, oh right, uh, have you made a decision to go ahead with the LPAs? After all, the clients have brought up LPAs on the phone. I knew that I had briefly touched on the subject at the last meeting and I knew the clients needed them. So in theory, I could have tried to deal with it there and then on the phone and perhaps even take instructions. I could save an extra visit by doing that. Now, fortunately, rather than launching into it there and then, I said we'd talk about it in the meeting. They actually did try to press it a little bit further and get into the discussion on the phone, but I maintained that the best thing to do was discuss it in person. And it turned out that this was extremely fortunate that I did that. See, I didn't actually have the full story. What I didn't know was that They had actually recently got into a heated argument with their neighbours about lasting powers of attorney. This couple were, well, they weren't the brightest couple. And they had quite a hot temper when there was something that they didn't understand. They had a reaction to not understanding something, which was to kind of snap. And the argument that they got into was about the fact that their neighbour had said if they were doing wills, should probably also consider doing powers of attorney but my clients had argued with them that they'd actually appointed their son and daughter in their will now this is that classic misunderstanding of thinking that executors somehow automatically then have power of attorney they fundamentally just didn't understand what power of attorney was of course the added problem here though is that they'd really dug their heels in on an incorrect understanding and were now quite critical of their, well, in their words, stupid neighbors or words similar to that. So I went out to see them, I did the witnessing, and once the witnesses had left, we then brought up this topic of lasting powers of attorney. And they explained at this point about this argument. And of course, this is really tricky. If I point out that they were wrong, they're pretty much guaranteed to get upset. And yet they were wrong. Can you see how, if I'd got into this on the phone, I might have totally missed the issue. I could have seriously upset them without actually knowing why I'd upset them, and not having the benefit of seeing their reactions could possibly have totally lost this client. Now, very briefly, as this isn't an episode on handling false data that clients have, what I did was I gently addressed this by having them discuss their understanding of what a lasting power of attorney is and what an executor is. I let them talk me through it. You get the point here, get them to look. Rather than telling them that they're wrong, get them to look. They eventually had the realization themselves that the will only actually works on death and not during life. The point about this incident here is that it highlights the fact that by trying to deal with it over the phone, you can miss what's going on with the other person at the other end of the line. These clients were very vocal about what had happened. But what if they'd not told me about the argument? If I tried to start to sell them lasting powers of attorney over the phone, they could have become quite argumentative with me and I wouldn't have known why. So going back to the five mistakes mentioned previously, let's now take a better approach. As a reminder, what the original client example that we were looking at there had said was, can you... Just include a line to say my partner, Fred Smith, can live in the house. So if this is happening on the phone, then you'd want to immediately recognize that this is a mid-service upgrade. If your business focus is on the relationship with the client, then you would want to aim to be booking an appointment to see them. If your focus is transactional and you really do want to address this on the phone, then very minimally, you would want to make sure that both you and the client have enough time to spend dealing with the matter thoroughly. So you say, yes, I'm sure we can find a way to accommodate that. I'll tell you what, I've actually got another appointment not too far from you on Tuesday of next week. Can I pop around to see you when I finish that appointment? Or if you're going to deal with it on the phone, yes, I'm sure we'll be able to find the right solution to help. I'll need to go through a few questions with you about how you would want that to be included in the will. So do do you have 10 or 15 minutes now or should we book another time to discuss that? Now you can see perhaps that even just by doing this, you've already started to gently change the client's expectations of just including a line in the will. Whether by phone or in person, the best approach to the upgrade once you have the client's full attention, is to have them talk you through the problem. There's some problem that the client is trying to solve here, isn't there? So a good starting question is often, what is the purpose of fill in the blank here? Whatever it is that's come up. So in this scenario, what is the purpose of this line in the will? She tells you that she just wants Fred to be able to live in the house. Good. So... Have her tell you more about that. How long would you want him to be able to live here for? Would he be responsible for keeping the house in good repair? Who would pay the bills? What would happen if he fell out with your children? You see how you guide her through those issues. She's then bound to come to see the complexities of what she thought of being a simple line in the will and should realise that it would be entirely inadequate. And you can then present her with the real solution. At which point she'll be able to much better appreciate its value and therefore should be able to make sense of the uplift in price. As a side note, specifically relating to this example, it's worth noting that the matter could possibly have been avoided or picked up at the first meeting. Just take a look at what questions are on your fact find. Most fact finds and instruction forms will contain a question about marital status. For this lady, That would be divorced. However, I've rarely seen a second question to follow that, which would be, what is your relationship status? You see, by knowing that, you might well have been able to deal with Fred's potential right to reside in the original meeting. All manner of things can trigger a mid-service upgrade. We had a situation just in the last few weeks where a client was having a pretty straightforward basic will, everything to her three children or to issue if any of them predecease her. Now, mid-service, she decided that actually what she wants to do is she wants to leave her house equally between her grandchildren. Now, this is a relatively simple upgrade, of course. However, we always run a land registry check if somebody wants to specifically gift a property. And we discovered on the title that she owned the house jointly with her daughter. Now on further investigation, the daughter had actually paid for the deposit on the house and had paid the mortgage as well. All of this was basically an investment for herself, for the daughter. It solved a problem for the mother and it provided a future asset for the daughter when her mum passes away. But now the mother wants to sever the tenancy and leave her half of the house to her grandchildren. Now that's going to break whatever agreement had been made with the daughter. We're now on very shaky grounds and this needs quite a delicate handling. Definitely mid-service upgrade here. So in summary, I would recommend dealing with mid-service upgrades with the same diligence that you treat the first meeting with the client. Don't cut corners now that the client is already signed up. Give this new service, or this upgraded service, the time and the attention that it deserves. You might even find a few more issues coming to light when you do this, and you can surely help your client with those issues too. I do hope that you have found this episode useful. I appreciate your comments and your feedback, and you can email me at anthony at twp.co.uk, Anthony's without an H. I would love to hear from you. And please do leave a like if you are getting something out of this podcast. All the very best until the next time I speak to you. And thank you for listening.